Welcome to Get Into It, produced by Ryco Theatricals. We deep dive into the big questions of our industry. Our two hosts take a look into the theater industry today through panel discussions and asking the necessary and sometimes unnecessary questions. Our show airs every Thursday at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern on our social media at Ryco Theatricals. Now, please welcome our hosts, Dash Perry and Tyler Dobies. Hello, hello, hello. We are back. I am hello. one of your co-hosts, Dash Perry. And I'm your guest co-host, Zachary Keller. And this is Get In To It. Get Into It. Zach, welcome back. How are you? Long time no see, buddy boy. Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. Been uh, been busy the last few days, as you would know. But we are the two of us are moving to New York. Everyone, absolutely. So, uh, stressful little journey that we're on. Um, roommates, so yeah, roommates, like once again. Yeah. Do you know? Do you know that song by Asher Roth? I love college. Uh, I don't. It's like, I love college, yeah, and I love drinking, yeah, and yeah. I love smoking, yeah, because yeah. I love college. I did love college. College was really fun. A little bit about me, I didn't know what to expect because I was going to go to school in the Midwest, and you know, I was a South Florida gal, and it was, it was a cultural awakening. I had no idea what was going to be going on there, but it was a great time. How about you? What did, what did you just expect about college in general? Yeah, you know, I kind of expected something different too. I, I specifically chose Ball State because I thought it would be like the classic uh, college experience. And then I realized that that doesn't necessarily exist. You know, I thought it was going to be like a frat bro, like Delta, <laughs> Tall Delta, like partying all the time and stuff. But well, it, frat uh, it didn't end up being that. So, which, but I'm glad it wasn't that. So, um, okay, yeah, okay. college was a fun time. Okay, here's this question. What was your, uh, we all know in college, you drink a lot, probably too much. What was your uh, drink of choice? Uh, well, I didn't drink a lot, but when I did, I would typically go for a rum and coke. Mm. Yeah. I, How about you? I would go for a nice vodka soda, but one time I did ask mm. for a vodka water on accident, like meaning soda water, like a seltzer, and they were like, a vodka water? And I was like, yes, a vodka water, please. And they sure enough brought me vodka with water in it. And I was like, what mm. is this? This is disgusting. Uh. Um, but I drank it because it was college and things. Mm. But let's get into it. Let's get into why we came here, which it. is our question of the day. What can I expect? What can I expect at my college audition? Bam, thank you for the reading, Zach. Um, what to, what can I expect at my college audition? Hmm. What does that, what does that give you? What are you getting from that first impressions? Well, um, all I can say is, uh, always over prepare if you can, well, not over prepare, but prepare more than uh, you think you should. Uh, for when I remember when I auditioned at Ball State, I was asked to do, um, I was I did my first song and then I was asked to do another song and I said I had I think it was like man I never knew from the Bird Part Boys mm -hmm. and they're like okay great 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 um can you uh, sing something else for us I was like I only brought two songs in so made a mistake there but I still had I, I searched through my headshot folder and found none other than Corner of the Sky which is probably one of the worst audition songs you could I take. think it's I think that's on the Do Not Sing list. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure, but uh, it was a, it was a hail mary. So mm. I ended up singing that, but um, definitely have two have another monologue, have a couple more songs in your book ready to go. Okay, that's kind of crazy because Zach, you definitely were you were a child actor and you were working in Chicago for a while. So why were you not prepared for these college auditions? You know. I, I'm very, I'm a very literal person. And so when they said, bring in two songs, I was like, all right, I'm going to bring in two songs. Uh -huh. It was like very logical. And uh, 
you know, it doesn't always go by what's in the book. So uh -huh. how about you? What do you think of when you, uh, when you hear that question? Um, for me, um, I was, thankfully enough, I had a lot of resources. My, my public high school, my college, my drama teacher was incredible. And she set us up with coaches and coaches upon coaches and rep upon rep. So I came in with a nice, a nice, you know, I was prepped, I was ready. Um, and a nice bravado to be like, all right, like, I know that I can do this. I know that I can do this. And I had support there. I went to audition in Chicago Unifieds. And so it was like a whole trip. And I was like, okay, I got this. And I think I did pretty well, but I don't want to get too far into it before we bring on our next guest, who a lot of people will know, um, BBB. Do you know who that is? Or maybe oh. when I say uh, sweater vest. Or maybe if I'm like, can you get me a Diet Pepsi, please? Or, you know, their catchphrase, ain't no party, like a Ball State party, because a Paul State party don't stop. It's Mr. Bill Jenkins. Let's get into it. Hey, yes. hey. Get into it, Bill. How Woo. are ya? What's going on, gents? How are you both doing? We're doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. Hearing these stories about your go-to drinks and your, you know, your auditions. <laughs> like I remember very well your audition of with Corner of the Sky, very well, I might add. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny to be talking about audition season as we are getting to the point of students making final decisions as the May first deadline approaches. So, mm, it's, May 1st. Uh, it's, May 1st. I'm excited to be here with you you both and to talk about this. This is exciting. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Give us a little bit about yourself. Who is Mr. Bill Jenkins? Well, um, I've been the department chair of theater and dance for 18 years at Ball State, and I have been at Ball State for 21 years. Um, I am uh, a graduate of the program, graduated um, in the uh, middle 90s, um, <laughs> and uh, went away and got my um, master's degree at Illinois State University. And taught for a while before coming back to Ball State in 2000. And again, I've been here ever since. And I'm a director and I tend to direct mostly in the musical theater area, it tends to be my primary um, area of expertise. Um, and uh, I'm somebody who goes through a lot of auditions a year. Um, mm -hmm. Typically we'll see about 12 to 1500 students audition in a given year for our programs. We've got uh, Ball State is about 525 majors another 150 minors so it's a big program with lots of different curricular programs and i've mm. seen it all and uh experienced quite a bit over those uh, 21 years and i'm certainly um have had my fair share of horror stories but also my fair share of um awesome experiences watching students um go through their audition process you two included and then watching them grow up and uh, become extraordinary actors performers but even better people. So uh, that's who I am. Absolutely. Thank. I, well, thank you, Bill. I mean, because I literally wouldn't be the performer and the person that I am today. I probably wouldn't have this show had I not learned the many transferable and performance skills that they gave me over at the Ball State. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. We love that. Chirp. Yeah, let's get into it. That's the question of the day. What can I expect at my college audition? You said you were an alumni, Bill. Let's let's get into your college. Let's get into your time there. What was your audition like, just to start it off? Well, first of all, I didn't even come to Ball State to be a, a theater major. Mm, I started off really? actually. I was uh, no, I was started off. I was going to be a uh, a TV um, sports commentator. That's how I was. That's what that was my first major. Oh, so okay. I was I was a. Uh, was really interested in basketball and football. I had been sort of served in the uh, radio station at my high school, and I came here to do that. And then when I got here, I had done theater in high school and loved it and thought, well, in my spare time, I'll audition for shows. And so I auditioned for um, a production um, and got cast as the lead you know, when I was first semester freshman. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was back when first semester freshman at Ball State could audition. Right, um, can't do that. Not, not anymore. Anyway, uh, went, through the audition, went through the show and had a great experience. And it was probably about second semester of my sophomore year where I went, you know, I, I at one point I changed to theater and speech education. I thought, well, I'll be a teacher and that way I can 
stay in theater. And eventually I got to a point where I'm like, I really, I think I want to be an actor. And uh, actually called home and talked to my dad and my mom and said, I you know, want to tell you something. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, becoming an actor. And I remember my, you know, my dad's comment, which I was so scared about, he actually said, well, it's about damn time. And he hung up the phone. And uh, that was like, okay. And my mom's response was, well, you have a backup plan? So, of course, you know, started that path. And then my junior year, as I was going through the acting classes, an opportunity came up to direct a show. And I directed a uh, play called Night Mother in a space we have here called the Cave Theater. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a life-changing event for me and had uh, had a wonderful uh, cast and a wonderful experience. And then I directed another show in our studio theater here. And then eventually I went, I think I want to be a director because I liked making worlds more than being in them. And mm-hmm. So I went on and uh, applied for grad school and I got into some smaller grad schools, but nowhere I really wanted to go. So I decided to stay at Ball State for a year and got my master's degree in communication studies. Um, learned how to be a better writer, um, mm-hmm. and I uh, ended up getting into uh, several schools for my MFA program and chose to go to Illinois State University, which is affiliated with the Illinois Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. I got a chance to work there for three years. So my college audition was actually, I didn't really have that kind of experience, but mm-hmm. the minute I got to Illinois State, I started participating in their auditions that they mm-hmm. did, and I started watching sort of how that manifested itself. And then when I came back to Ball State after teaching for a while in North Dakota. Um, cold, burr, cold. Burr, yeah. burr. When, you, when they tell you when you get to Grand Forks, go north, turn around. Turn mm. around. You know. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I, uh, I basically came to Ball State. And when, when I got to Ball State, we were a much smaller program. We we didn't have nearly the amount of students that we do now. Our, our musical theater and our acting programs were not BFA programs and mm-hmm. started the long process, 21-year process of transitioning to BFAs. And it's been in the last 15 years, really, that we have been particularly involved with having the amount of auditionees we've had and probably the last 12 years going to the unified auditions. So I think what I would say about the college auditions that I've learned is they've, they change every year. Uh, more than you can expect this year, of course, being tremendously uh, different because of COVID. Mm-hmm. You, know? Mm-hmm. you know, Bill, I have a question for you. You know, you mentioned, you know, the BFA and, you know, how Ball State has acquired that um, title or whatever. Uh, but um, that's actually something that I didn't fully understand when I first auditioned for um, performing arts school. So I was wondering if you could touch on what BFA versus a BA uh, really means. Mm, mm-hmm. So a BABS program or you know Bachelor of Arts, Bachelor of Science program is a program that is what I would call, in general, they tend to be less rigorous. They tend to have less, what I would call pre-professional training classes to prepare you for the professional world. So you are getting a, a great liberal arts education. You're getting a well-rounded education. You're learning about acting. You're learning about directing. You're learning about stagecraft, et cetera. But you're not having sort of in-depth training and classes. A mm-hmm. BFA program, which is a Bachelor of Fine Arts, is more sort of intense training in a particular area of emphasis. Mm-hmm. So in our case, we have four BFAs, acting, musical theater, dance, and design. And those four programs work in conjunction with our BABS programs. And we do theater education. We do something called theater creation. We do directing and stage management. And then we also have BABS programs at design tech and dance as well for students that may want to double major. BFAs, you can't double major. That's one of the biggest things. Mm-hmm. You can do minors oftentimes. You can do uh, Specifically like- at Ball State. Particularly at Ball State. And, and most mm-hmm. BFA programs across the country have a hard time having students do those double majors. Some do, but mm-hmm. most don't, S- simply because the amount of hours you have to take to complete the BFA right. is so intense, you know? So uh-huh. that's the biggest difference. Okay. Well, talking about intensity, like the college, let's get into the room and we're going to do a little bit of, you know, pre-pandemic and post-pandemic and how that changed. But um we've all been at one point been in the same room for those auditions. I don't know if you auditioned in Chicago, Zach, but if you did, then we would have been exactly in the same room, but those rooms are kind of, they're kind of intense. And so we, the reason we pose this question of 
what can I expect at my college audition is to lessen that stress for our students that will be coming in. And so maybe what are just a few tips from your side of the table, Bill, and then we'll go with maybe some tips that helped us on our side of the table. And like, what are you, what are you looking to see and what should, what are, what are kids bringing in these days? Let's start with pre-pandemic and then we'll go into how that's transitioned to post-pandemic. The number one thing I would say is the same thing I always say about Ball State, which is, and this is particular to Ball State, but we're really interested in recruiting talented people. We're more interested in recruiting great human beings. Mm-hmm. And I, I say that because that's what we believe, but it's also what you can expect when you walk in the room. You get a sense of who those programs are. So we always lead with that because we want people to know that's what we stand for. So I think the first thing to always remember is you're learning about the program when you walk in the room. How are you treated? How do people talk to you? How do they make you feel? Do they make you feel comfortable? Do they make you feel at ease? Do they give you a sense that you can be the best version of yourself? Or do they give you the sense that they want to make you the best version uh, of you that they want to make you into, which to me is antithetical to who we are, but some programs are very much like that. Mm -hmm. You're going to go in and you're going to learn how to be the best version of X school. That's Mm -hmm. what some programs want. I think the other thing when you walk in the room is who's in the room? Who are the people that you're meeting with, auditioning for? What are their credentials? What is their energy? Mm -hmm. Um, Who who are they just as human beings? Because you're going to spend four years with these people. So you want people that ultimately you trust, that you feel like can be partners. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I also think that you should be careful of allowing reputations of schools that you've heard uh, cloud your view about the best places to go or the place you shouldn't want to go. I think sometimes people hear great things about a certain school. Remember that a lot of those things you may have heard were built 15, 20, 25 years ago. So Mm -hmm. the question is, what's the program now? That's really important. You know, I I think about the fact that we have Michael Rafter now on our faculty. Michael is a fabulous Broadway musical director. He's musical Mm -hmm. directed tons of shows on Broadway. And he is as- Emmy winner. (laughs) Emmy winner, that's right. He is as as prevalent now in the business as he was uh, ever. And you want a school where the people who are there aren't people who used to have careers but still have careers mm-hmm. <laughs> because they can help you, I think, mm-hmm. make that next step. Um, and they can connect you to people who can help you make that next step. Right. I think those are, those are important things. Uh, the last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I would love to hear your guys' take on this mm-hmm. is, I think when you walk in the room, you want to be as, Zach, you mentioned it, you want to be as prepared as humanly possible, but also be prepared to pivot. Be prepared to sing something different. Be prepared to try something that somebody offers up. Can you try this take on a monologue? And 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 also to just be able to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I think some people go mm-hmm. in there and they, they're thrown when they're asked questions about, tell us about you or, mm-hmm. you know, and I specifically always ask questions that are like, tell us something. I think the question I ask is, tell us something about you we wouldn't know from an audition, but you think we should know about you as a human being. Something mm-hmm. has nothing to do with and some students are like they gravitate towards that like oh my gosh I, you know I, I love this or thank you for asking or I never thought about that mm-hmm. um, and other students are like think of it think of it as another performance opportunity mm-hmm. and those are places where we kind of go thank you because mm-hmm. we want people who can be real you know right what about you all what did you what did you experience when you went through that what is the things that you take with your your memories from that yeah, for me specifically, I mean, it was, though it was, it was very different because I was flying to Chicago to do a, like a cattle call, the Chicago Unified audition for a bunch of schools. And Ball State, um, reputation wise, is one that I knew the least about, which is so interesting that you say that because I was like, okay, I had done a little bit of digging. And I was like, oh, the school seems, the school seems very interesting. I had no idea where Muncie, Indiana was. But what they were offering and what I could find on the students who were there was very interesting. And you kind of you hinted at this and what some people would call, you know, a cookie, a cookie cutter program where they're kind of pumping out exactly what you would expect, which kind of goes with that reputation things for especially a lot of these big schools. Um, and I went in and I was like, this is something that I would like to look into. 
Um, and I did feel prepared. And when I went in, um, my biggest thing for looking for the school was a place that was gonna feel like home. So as talented, the school could be as talented as all hell and had the most Broadway um, alumni ever. But if I went in and I didn't feel like these people wanted me as a person, then it wasn't really gonna work, which you will, which you will feel, especially in the sense of going to a uh, unifieds where people are trying to get you in, they're seeing hundreds of students. Um, and when I walked into Ball State's room, it was a place where I could kind of let that guard down because you asked that question. And I was like, wow, okay, well, like, here's me. Like, I no longer had to, you know, you step into the room and the performance starts, which we all know because the audition starts outside of the door. So at right. that point, it, it became more of a sense of we're people talking to each other, which is what I really needed, which is ultimately why I ended up going to Ball State because they were they were real people. You guys felt like real people. So I was like, this is where I'm gonna go, sight unseen, because I would rather that than a people who are like, yeah, you you can come here. You were very talented. And that, that's, not, that's not what I was looking for. So for me specifically, that's what it was all about. Yeah, yeah. I like how, I mean, both of you kind of touched on it, but I think what's important to remember is that you are also, it, like you are being interviewed, but you are also interviewing. You know, you're assessing whether or not this school is for you. And I think that gives you a little bit of sense of power because sometimes you can feel very powerless in audition. You feel right. like these people are just there to judge me. But the, the matter of the fact is these people in front of you, they want you to succeed. Uh -huh. And um, Didi Batiste, who was a guest on this show and Absolutely. also is um, a teacher at, or professor at um, Ball State, I had heard her say that, um, I believe this is her, that an audition is like you being late to your own birthday party. And mm. I think it's a very good way to think about it, not way that I would, would have thought about it beforehand, but when, it's, when you think about it in terms of they want you to be the, the, the solution to their problem, they want to celebrate you. And mm -hmm. they want to see you shine. And it's like, but you have you have to remember that you do have some power in that and that you are interviewing this place as well. And I knew it as soon as I went into the Ball State um, audition room, actually, as soon as the process started, that that was the place I wanted to be. First of all, it was where my dad went. So that was kind of cool. But mm -hmm. um, <laughs> meeting, uh, meeting the students beforehand, you know, and getting to talk to them and seeing what their process has been like. and. Uh, um, getting into the room and then feeling very welcomed and assessing that. And, you know, if you're in a room where you feel like you are supported while you're auditioning, then I think that's one of the indicators of that being a place where you should go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Zach, Didi always also says a phrase, play to win. And I think when you go into an audition, that also can help you, the idea of playing to win. You've got to go in with the idea that you're the answer to their problems. Mm -hmm. Like you're it. And it's not about being pompous or arrogant. It's about being confident that you ultimately have something that is of value mm -hmm. that people need to experience. And I think sometimes students go in to auditions um, afraid they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that is the place where some of the things that we do in the auditions, like asking the question, Dash, you were talking about, is to try to make people feel like they could just be themselves mm -hmm. as opposed to trying to be some version of themselves we want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that is a, uh, I think that's a good lesson to learn. And I think it's hard to learn that lesson when you're 17 or 18. It's hard enough when you're 22 or 23. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, damn, yeah. it's hard when you're 47. I mean. You, you are constantly trying to, you know, not, you, 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 you can't play a negative. You have to play the positive. And the positive is you need to go in and go after it. Go, mm -hmm. just, and, and be, this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. So enjoy that experience of getting a chance to practice your, the thing you love. And we've learned that this year when that's been taken away from us, uh -huh. how valuable it is to be able to have that opportunity because it doesn't. It's not as easy or doesn't it happen to the extent that we thought it would happen, say, a year and a half ago when all that stuff was taken away from us. 
Mm-hmm. I remember. You know, uh, go ahead, Zach. Go ahead. Okay. There was a there was a moment in my audition because I brought in this song and I handed it to the accompanist and it was my fault. It was messy. That was one thing I didn't know. Like technically I was rehearsing it with a pianist that I rehearsed the song with. So I was like, okay, bringing this to a new pianist. Do 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 do. And it what I mean, they didn't know the song. So not that they didn't know the song, but the song was not something that they had been practicing with me for months. And so from my perspective, I was going in, I was like, oh, I'm on this train of singing this song. And I was like, night song from Golden Boy. And I was like, yeah. what am I gonna do? That was awful, what do I do, what do I do? Um, and they're like, do you have something else? And I was like, oh yeah, of course. And so then I sing, um, this isn't over yet from Parade. And that was the moment where I, I had to make that point to like kind of what you said, Bill, let it go. Let all of that, let the stuff that I failed in the past, let it go and just do this. And that was the moment where I kind of saw, at least for me, felt like this is that moment, like winning, truly winning. Because I could also, you can see, you can see it reflected in the people that you're auditioning's eyes. And that's when I could see the panel and I was like, okay, this is it. Being here, I've got them. And I wouldn't have been able to do that had I been, had I thought I lost at that point. So right. knowing that you're enough and going in to win and not from a, not from a pompous way, but just knowing that you can do it like this, uh, get you, using any opportunity to perform is what you should be doing. And that was something that helped me specifically in that moment. Mm -hmm. I um, have, yeah. oh, go ahead, Zach. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna uh, have a follow-up question for you, Bill. Um, you mentioned uh, how things have shifted. And I was curious as to um, how have um, college auditions shifted for Ball State? Uh, how do they look different than prior to the pandemic? Mm -hmm. Well, in terms of the pandemic, um, I think the, the what we've seen this year is everything's virtual, as is the case across the country. You know, mm -hmm. I was on a I was on a phone call um, just thinking through the last several like last year, but I remember being on a phone call in the summer. Um, with a bunch of people from a bunch of schools. And I got a call from a colleague who said, you know, we're having this big meeting about the unified auditions. And the meeting was to sort of figure out how they were going to do the unified auditions. And I remember saying to the colleague at the time, we're not going anywhere. I mean, we're not going to be going to an audition. There's no way. And the colleague said, we're the same way. I mean, schools wouldn't let people travel. Mm -hmm. Like as of right now, we can't travel, period. Um, for anything related to school business. So wow. that was a very eye-opening conversation for the folks who were involved in those unified auditions because I think they were still, to their, to their credit, they were still trying to problem solve, figure out how we could do this. But mm -hmm. I think the reality of this isn't going to happen. So I think we all had to pivot and we all had to adjust quickly. Um, what we have found in the adjusting is that there are like anything where you make changes, there's positives that come out of it and things that you miss. The positives that have come out of it is I think access is easier right now. Um, let's be honest, the number one problem, and it is a huge problem uh, that exists with auditions for college programs, is there is a, is a huge gap between individuals who have resources and individuals who do not. Mm. And that is, a, that is a problem across economic structures, across ethnic structures, ethnicity, across people who are, who are, um, who are in pos positions of privilege versus those who are not in positions of privilege. And what mm -hmm. the pandemic has shown us is that we can, be in a, we can create an equalizer in that by the fact that if you can make sure that someone has you know, Wi-Fi access, anyone can go through that process. And mm -hmm. schools that are allowed to help students by allowing them to use their resources like their computers and their Wi-Fi and their facilities mm -hmm. can have just as solid an audition as a student that comes from, you know, one of the, you know, affluent suburbs of any major metropolitan area. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we will never change from this point forward. We will always make sure that those students who are not as privileged um, get the same opportunities as those who are. I think mm -hmm. the other thing that has changed is the way in which we can reach students post-audition has improved. So being able to do more virtual meetings, being able to have more roundtable conversations. We've hosted this past week alone 
um, open Zoom rooms for students that are still looking at our program and saying, still have questions, come on into the room and you can ask questions of current students. You can talk a little bit about what we're doing, about why Ball State, what is it about Ball State that makes it special. Students getting that opportunity to do that with multiple schools, I think this is going to be a game changer for them moving forward because students don't have to feel like either, you know, I have the audition and then I have the time I visit the school. That's kind of when you had, right? And you could talk on the phone, but it really didn't feel like you were having a personal experience. Now with Zoom, there is, I guess, as equivalent as you can get an experience that seems firsthand when you're talking to people in a room like this one, a virtual room. Mm -hmm. um, the things we will not miss, we will not miss the ability to talk to somebody and, and get a sense of their humanity in a room with them. Um, we always talk about the fact that we have students that work our auditions. They work outside the room so that ultimately at the end of the day, we can bring those students in and say, was there anybody out there that was a real problem? Was there anybody out there who was a, a pain in the butt? Um, we've heard horror stories about parents who have sat out there with their kids and have made derogatory comments about other students, about what they were wearing and what their audition material was or mm. how great their child was compared to another child. And mm -hmm. we immediately, mm. whether they're the most talented person or not, cross them off the list. We're not interested. Mm -hmm. um, because if their parent is that high maintenance, their child's going to be that high maintenance too. And mm -hmm. it, it's not for us. And the other thing I don't think we're going to miss is that opportunity to really work with a student in the room. Like I can think of my colleagues, John Ottaviannini or Jody Cotton or... Michael Elliott, some of our you know great voice teachers that we have who have been able to work with students mm -hmm. and have been able to help them vocally produce things they never knew they were capable of producing sound-wise, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of work happens viscerally in a room with a teacher, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to, let's try that again on Zoom. I right. don't think that's the same. So that's, that's the biggest things I would say that have changed in this last year. I got a pretty big question for you here. And like, as you know, the title of the show, get into it. Oops. As the title of the show. It's so big, your, your, your headphones came off. I'm so getting big, right? angry. Um, uh, as the title of the show states, get into it, Bill. You kind of hinted at it. Like these resources are important. And as we saw in this like last summer and of the summer of unrest and a lot of the social justice that we've seen going on, um, there's been a call to a lot of institutions, whether that's the police or whether that's PWI, uh, PWIs, predominantly white institutions for public uh, colleges. How is Ball State and more specifically Ball State Theater and Dance tackling that issue when we do see so many socioeconomic differences between ethnic um, varying abilities and identities of students that you have coming in here? How are you as the the panel the, the the people who are adjudicating them taking those things into account like how do you especially when i'm sure the demographic of ball state is changing and the the nature of what we do is changing how do you take all of these things into account when it changes constantly like how do you keep that updated and how do you how do you bring that those biases into the room well the first thing i'll say is this summer when um when the george floyd murder happened um there was a period of a couple of days where I, I really did a lot of self-reflection and, and thought a lot about how could we be a leader as opposed to a follower in this kind of action? Because I, I have had, um, I had a break, I literally had an emotional breakdown. Um, I think Dash, you might've been in the room when I had that breakdown about a, I was there. I, mm -hmm. um, a year and a half, I guess it was now over a year ago because I was so angry at the fact that, the scoring system that we had created, and, and we're still fighting through this, I think any school would be, it again, it values kids that have had the opportunity to have top-notch training. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't allow students that have natural talent that didn't have that ability to get the same fair shake. Mm -hmm. And it made me so angry. And I'm really lucky. We have a lot of, I have a lot of tremendous colleagues who have great hearts and who are interested in the exact same thing I am. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, if they're not that kind of person, they don't last very long here. Um, and so this summer when everything happened, I sat down and wrote out 
an action plan. And I, uh, when I was done with it, I called my basically adopted daughter, Didi Batiste, mm-hmm. um, and said, uh, I am calling you as somebody who thinks of you as one of my closest friends. I'm not calling, and, I'm, and who also happens to be a woman of color, but I'm not calling you to solve my problem. I am calling you to give me advice on how I'm trying to solve mm-hmm. a problem. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I did not want to turn to one of my black friends and say, "How would you handle this? Help me, help me do my job." Because mm-hmm. I've learned through a lot of the stuff that I've gone through, uh, training-wise, here in the last year, our job is to be empowered to take action so that we can ultimately be better partners to our, you know, our black brothers and sisters, our, you know, our our, our people that ultimately we love that we want to help. Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with this action plan. She looked at it. She made a couple of great suggestions, which I took. We took it to the faculty. We voted on it, and we put it out. And one of the things in those in that action plan that's been the most successful for us was an alumni ambassador program. And this which alumni Kayla did kind of um, talk about on the show. So yep. yeah. So we have eight students, eight alums from a variety of areas. People like Kayla and Evan Duff, two mm-hmm. of our graduates from our BFA musical theater program. We have. Um, uh, Zaria Butler, who graduated last year uh, with you both, a BFA mm-hmm. acting student. We had um, Juliana Silva, who's a makeup designer. Catherine Del Castillo, who's a theater educator. I'm going to miss somebody. But anyway, we had a group of about eight students. And those students, we would latch up with students that would audition for us, where we thought that the student did well, but clearly the material they selected, the work they were able to show us, wasn't at the level of some of the other students. Mm-hmm. And they would re-coach the student, and those students would re-audition and or re-interview. Mm-hmm. And that that actually saw us accepting many students that went through that process this year into our BFA programs. Wow. And our goal is to continue that now forever. That's action. Want- that's that's real putting putting your money where your mouth is. Not even just saying, like, oh, we're going to, and this is something that when we get into it, I never know how the people are going to respond, but that's very comforting to know. And I, we talked to Kayla about this, but we didn't know exactly what was going on. It's very comforting to know that there's something that you were doing. You're not saying, well, you know what, we're going to take an account that maybe they come from, you know, an area where they don't have that, they don't have that much money, that the school doesn't have a performing arts program. We're not just saying, okay, well, we'll let them in in that case, but we are going to do, we are going to work with these students in order to have them, for us to see the best work that they can do working with people that we know. So that's that's really incredible. Yeah, and our, our yeah, goal is not be- just having a conversation, it's mm-hmm. taking action, mm-hmm. what needs, you know, needs to happen. And we wanna do the exact same thing next year, not only for our BIPOC uh, potential students, but our LGBTQIA plus students, mm-hmm. um, students that identify as non-binary, we want to give them individuals that can talk to them about material selection, about ways in which they can make the audition a more authentic reflection of who they are. Mm -hmm. You know, how many times do you see students that audition that do material where you're like, it's clear that they they had a teacher who either didn't understand uh, the material that best suited them, didn't know material that would suit them well. So we're trying to put them in contact with people that can be not that those teachers aren't trying their best. Some of them, especially at small schools across uh, rural parts of this country, they're English majors who are also doing the drama club. Mm-hmm. They're people that don't have any training whatsoever or modest training. So how can we help them by giving them resources to actually make a difference? Financially, we're doing that as well. We are, you know, we are really looking at, we created a fund this year called uh, the alumni, um, it's basically an alumni fund that is for greatest need. And greatest need, as we defined it, was students who ultimately had emergencies that they could themselves not have anticipated that would have made a difference if they had had a resource that they could go to. So we used examples like we had a student this year who couldn't afford brand new tap shoes. Mm-hmm. We bought student tap shoes. A student who basically could not afford their rent. We were able to pay a month of their rent. This is the kind of thing we're going to start doing and make sure students are aware of that so mm-hmm. that when they get to school, it's not about just getting to school. It's about being able to complete school. Mm-hmm. And we want to try to create ways to even out the playing field 
um, for those students. So, mm-hmm. and but the other thing I would say is you're never done. Like that, that process is never over. And I think sometimes people see, I, I heard a colleague say, not a colleague here, by the way, a colleague at another institution made a comment to me uh, a few months ago where they were like, you know, I just don't know when this is going to end. But what, exactly. Exactly. And I said, it's never going to end until things are better and things are fair and things are equitable. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, I, I know that. I mean, and I said, no, no, no. Seriously, this is a reckoning that has been years in the making. And if you're just waiting for it to end, if you think of this as a, a race and you're trying to get to the end, you've already lost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, is, is going to go on for a long time. Um, and I hope by the time I'm done on this earth, we see, quote unquote, the end. But we got a long way to go, and and I think we have to always be willing to think what's the next step, what's the next thing we can do, where's the next place we can make things more equitable, more fair, more more honest um, mm-hmm. about what we really are doing and what we're really doing to try to make change. Mm-hmm. Okay, we got we can probably do like one and a half more questions. I have one for you, Bill, and then we can see if Zach has any more. That last, like you colleagues talk, schools talk, professors talk to each other. Um, Is that larger question being had between the institutions and how is, I mean, Ball State, like you already have, you have an action plan, you're working toward it, you're building things. Are you setting up something for other schools to be able to look into? Is this something that you're pushing out? Is there an agenda that you want to be able to have more than Ball, because it's bigger than Ball State, it's bigger than any school, it's, we're talking about real life. Are those conversations being had between you and your colleagues at other institutions? And how are you, how are you taking those steps so that it's not just at Ball State? And is that something that you, you thought about? The first thing I'll say is that alumni ambassador program that we created, our goal with that was not to just get students to be able to be accepted to Ball State. We tell students, we're here to, this is a resource for you not to serve us, but to serve you. Mm-hmm. And if you go through that audition process and you get into another institution, we will have done our job. Right. It mm-hmm. isn't just about Ball State. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are people talking? Absolutely, people are talking. I think that the thing that you can't, let me say this, the thing that you're ultimately, that I don't know where, I don't know where people are coming from when they have conversations about this. I don't know if they're coming from it from a standpoint of um, we have to do better because it's it's our obligation to the world to do better, or we have to do better because we have to make sure that we protect ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that second thing is what scares me. Right. Because that's the whole idea of what's the end game, right? It's mm-hmm. this has to be because we want to make the world and the and the arts and the and the society that we are sending students into more fair, more just, more right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want students that leave our institutions to be examples of what is fair and what is just and what is right. And um, you know, I I was I was sitting a few uh, weeks ago. Um, Dee Dee was here. Um, she she lives in Chicago. Dee Dee does, and she stays with us when she comes to town. And we were, we were, it was a Friday night. We were like having a movie night. And I said, we're going to watch, Didi actually said, let's watch The Wiz. So we watched The Wiz because the kids had never seen it. I have a six-year-old and an 11-year-old for those who don't know. And we watched The Wiz. And at one point towards the end of the movie, my son said, dad, why is everybody in the movie black? And there was a moment where I said to Didi, do you want to feel this one or do you want me to feel this? <laughs> and she said, uh, I got it. And she made the comment that, you know, she explained to my son, Teddy is his name, about the fact that it, it's a familiar story that we all know. And it was a chance for people like her, meaning Dee Dee, to get to see that story told in a different way where there can be a greater appreciation for it because of the fact that the people who are telling the story are people that look like her. Mm-hmm. And I said, Teddy, when you see The Wizard of Oz, you are able to look up on you know, TV and see all these people that look like you. But when Dee Dee and other kids like Dee Dee, when they were kids, when they looked, 
They didn't see anybody that looked like them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. ultimately, that means that they don't see the potential in themselves in that mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. And the great thing was when he heard all of that, he was like, okay. And that was it. It wasn't like there was a large con- It was like, that's the, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. And I think we, as educators, have to do that in our own worlds. We have to show this is the way it is because this is the way it is. And so make that, make that the norm as opposed to having to explain why we're doing something. This is just mm-hmm. the norm. Why do you do a season that has shows that ultimately reflect the world that we live in as opposed to doing the same old dead white people mm-hmm. writing plays that ultimately ultimately do not reflect those worlds or looking at those dead old white people shows and reimagining them in ways where people see their identities reflected in the individuals on stage. Mm-hmm. That's our job. And I don't think some schools still see that greater goal to the extent mm-hmm. that I, mm-hmm. I think they need to. Some do, but maybe I think some don't. Absolutely. Thank you, Bill, for coming in and getting into it. Yes, yes. Well, for our cool down, you kind of heard us talk about it. We talked about us um, drinking. What was your drink of choice in college? (laughs) You know, uh, I'm I'm kind of a a weakling when it comes to the drinks. I'm not. uh, I don't. I don't drink at all anymore. Uh, My 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 wife does though. Um, (laughs) When I was in school, uh, Jack and Diet. Mm, Okay, not too far off, Zach. That was yeah, mine. Yeah, not too far. Yeah. It's sometimes the gin and tonic, but uh, I do like, I like a good gin and tonic. I, I, I like it's the gin and diet tonic now, but Ooh. gin and tonic or the, uh, and the other one is, uh, especially when you're on a diet, as I tend to always be, um, <laughs> the flavored vodka uh, with soda water is good because there's very few calories in that. Vodka soda, not All to right. be confused with a vodka water. Those are different. Still I heard colors. that, and that's unfortunate that you had to get through. <laughs> I guess I asked for it myself, but it is okay. So, Bill, on this show, we love to give a nice Queen's wave out to our guest, but I'm sure we will see you again. Thanks for coming and getting into it with us. I love you both. Thanks for letting me get into it, getting into it with you. Yes. Thank you, Bill. <laughs> see you soon. See you, Bill. Take care. Bye. Incredible. Incredible. Before we, you know, have our little wrap up, let's hear a few words from our sponsored video. I drink champagne with kings and queens. The politicians praise my name. But those were someone else's dreams. The pitfalls of what I became. Speed of always needing more. But when I stop and see you here, I remember who all this was for. And from now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. From now on, let's wait till tomorrow's star. And we're back. Please, you guys, we are still accepting submissions to break the world record for most people singing the same song on a record. Please, please, please send them on. Let's hear your best rendition of From Now On and let's get into it. You can submit those over at www.ryco.org forward slash B-Way World Record. Send in your videos, please. Well, Zachy, we we got into it. We got into it. We did. Yeah, what, it really went for you, a journey there. Yeah, what did you take away from that one? There was a there was a few things that I didn't know about that I was like, oh, that's well, not surprising because it's you know, Ball State Bill. I'm sure he was doing the work, but um, that it was nice to hear that the work that they were doing. Yeah, yeah, I I like how uh, how the conversation kind of evolved, and we did start talking about diversity and hearing the actions that. Uh, specifically Ball State taking and just seeing how that that whole thing is shifting 
um, hopefully, and it sounds like in a positive way. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so I loved hearing about that. Yeah, that, you? that ambassador program, which we, we did talk to, mm -hmm. to Kayla about, but we didn't know specifically what they were doing. So Bill, like people in all different fields helping either BIPOC or people with different abilities or different identities, um, preparing their packages and knowing that it's not just for Ball State. I mean, obviously, like it would help Ball State specifically because we worked with them, but you can take that information and take it to whatever school you're auditioning for. And that's kind of incredible because I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of people who there are, there are pre-college programs that you can either pay for, maybe you get a scholarship for to go to um, that are basically intensives to go to, you know, top schools. But not a lot of times are those offered once they've already seen you and that they know that right. they're inter you're interested in them and they're interested in you, but there's something that we need to get out of you. Like that, that there's more to those people than that five minutes that's in the room. And that I think Ball State's doing a really good job at bringing the most out of a person, like out of a person. We're talking about people, not just, mm -hmm. you know, singing and dancing boxes. So <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, yeah. it was great getting into that. But before we go, as you know, you can go and you can find, you can listen to us wherever podcasts can be listened at. And that is, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Pandora, you literally wherever you can find a podcast, as well as if you are watching, it's scrolling down right now at anchor.fm forward slash Ryko dash get into it. Um, and there you could do a cool little function where you can send us questions or even talk to us in little sound bits that we can play in here. Um, yes. And let's give a big hand to our, this hand, guest co-host, oh, Zachary Keller. Stop Thank it. You. Stop Thank it. For coming and getting it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. We're going to have to have you back. If, if one of us is missing, I know who we can throw in. Yeah. Easy. He knows the show. You, you know my number. You got my number. Mm -hmm. Well, you know the spiel. My name is Dash yeah. Perry. I'm Zachary Keller. And you can watch Get Into It every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Facebook and YouTube at Ryko Theatricals. Until next time, bye-bye. Goodbye. You've been listening to Get Into It a weekly podcast from the Ryko live streaming series produced by Ryko Theatricals. Everything you heard was recorded live on our social media at Ryko Theatricals. You can support this podcast by sharing us on social media, writing a great review, or donating at www.ryko.org support. Thanks for listening.